Hi, this is Danielle Krissa from The Jealous Curator, and this is episode 190 of Art for Your Ear. I am so excited about today's episode. As a collage artist myself, I've been a huge fan of Deborah Roberts for ages. And talk about good timing. She has a huge show opening at the Contemporary Austin today, Saturday, January 22nd. I have so many questions for her about, well, everything, uh, from process to the underlying message in her very powerful Stop You In Your Tracks work. So I am going to stop talking and get to the good stuff. Calling Deborah in Austin. Hi, Deborah. Welcome to Art For Your Ear. Wow, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to meet you. I've been following you for ages and now um, it's so fun to actually be face to face. I am a collage artist, so um, I like just love everything that you do. Um, and I cannot wait to hear your story and all the exciting things that are coming up because crazy stuff is happening. So yeah, right. <laughs> before we get to the crazy stuff, let's go back to when you were a kid. Where did you grow up and were you um, making stuff back then? Yeah, I grew up in Austin, Texas, and um, I started uh, thinking about art and thinking that I liked it in the third grade uh, at Sims Elementary School. And um, it just kind of, the love affair for art uh, started then. Um, what, what was it about the third grade? Did you have a teacher that was really into art or something? No, I don't know why I started in the third grade. It's just I just one day started drawing and oh. um, and it just it stopped, you know, and it was great. <laughs> it was wonderful. <laughs> and uh, so I just kept doing it. And and, you know, the work, um, you know, it's a little kid work. So, yeah, yeah. And were you cutting stuff out then, or were you drawing and painting no, no, no. and whatever? I haven't. I I've only recently become a collage artist, but um, I can't remember. You know, all through my teenage years, I did Michael Jack. You know, all the you know <laughs> the pop stars I was gonna marry one day. Um, you know, things like that. I did a lot of fashion magazine uh, portrait uh, portraits. Um, it's just um, anything that kind of I love Rembrandt. I did a lot of. Um, fake Rembrandts, and uh, no one would ever think they're Rembrandts if they looked at them. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so um, yeah, I've just been painting all my life pretty yeah. much. And so, what did your family think about that? Were you the only artsy one, or are you from a family of creative people? No, I think, uh, no, we're not, I'm, no, there's no one creative in my family, but I think that um, I think everybody as a kid draws, it's just whether or not this is something that is in you and that can you want to pursue yeah and um and that was my thing uh everybody had things they liked in my family i come from a large family and um um you know it's just stuck with me you know yeah yeah and so i i was looking at um all of your um schooling that you, there's lots of it um when you went to university did you go for art originally or did you go for something else I've always went for art. Oh, um, good. Okay. I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. I always went for art. Um, and, you know, I always used to say those were my real classes and the other ones were just, you know, things I had to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I've always pursued this idea of wanting to be an artist. And um, I, I guess we, I didn't really know what that meant, but I knew it was something that I wanted to do. I, I did know I didn't want to do anything else. I think as I matured in uh, my practice as an artist, because you know I went back to school and later in life, and um, after the work had started to to shift, and literature became um, a huge part of that. Mm. Um, I needed um, more scholarship, and I needed to take a deeper dive into literature in order to um, understand where its place was in my practice. And I think. Um, you know, only going back to school later would allow that. I don't think if I was 22, I would have understood that, or even 32. Yeah. So um, I think that's uh, one of the reasons why um, the work has a lot of subtle, um, you know, tropes and subtle meanings. It's because literature has helped build that. Hmm. Wow, that's so insightful that you kind of knew that you needed 
that, you know, that extra layer that, um, well, when you did your undergrad, so when you were, you know, 20, were you still painting then? Is that what you were focused yeah, I, on? I've always been an artist. Yeah. Always. Yeah. And anytime I was in school, I was an artist. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, I mean, it was just, I was doing whatever work was then. Right. Um, yeah. And, and trying to develop it. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, when I look at young artists now, I can see that sometimes work isn't, you know, sophisticated or mature. It takes sometimes life to build up work. Yeah. Um, I think there are undergraduates who, um, who are very uh, advanced and, you know, they can find that, their way. Um, well, I started showing uh, in the summers and, and um, undergrad where I would go to Chicago and have, you know, really good shows. Uh, I got attention and those were things that I wanted as an artist. Um, so, um, but, you know, working through um, this black romantic type idea of art um, and what the world was actually showing us and telling us who we were yeah. uh, wasn't the same thing. And so it took, a, it took some time to really um, unpack what I was doing and try to um, create something new. And so those were years I built that. I, I was doing art, I was doing shows. I was, uh, I had a whole um, section of my work was educational work. Mm -hmm. And I, I did for teachers and principals and counselors and in order to pay the bills. So I've always wow. been a functioning uh, artist. Wow, so cool. And so what was it that, um, do you remember your first collage? Like when, when was the first time that you tried working like that? Um, I think my first attempt at doing collage was, had to be in uh, 2012. Uh, no, 2011 yeah. or 12 at the end of it. Um, real close to end of 2011, early 2012 when I, um, decided to add, um, you know, something else to the work. Um, mm. I, uh, I can't remember, I was in grad school at that time. Um, I don't remember why, but I was a um, graduate fellow. So I had a lot of uh, studio time to, to really work on my work. And I don't know what made me started adding elements to the work, but it happened that way. And I liked it. It was a way to um, to really uh, expand the voice of the work mm -hmm. without just me drawing it. Um, um, I didn't uh, really have um, great critiques when I was in graduate school. Uh, it was always me trying to teach people about you know blackness, and that that wasn't my job. Mm -hmm. um, so the whole thing for me was to develop my practice. And so as I pursue collage, it just, you know, it stuck. I mean, everything I was trying to say for years and years and years, I was able to get through uh, by multi-layering things. Yeah, yeah, I, I, your work is so, so powerful. And so is it a combination of like, because <clears throat> I know you still draw some of it, but is it a combination of um, found things and then things that you make, or is it all things you make that you then you piece together? No, it's both, uh, you know, I, I, I look for images and um, faces that I like, and then uh, hands, uh, just recently in the last three weeks, I've been looking at uh, different types of hands. I saw a fish that came out uh, from this little old man, and it was beautiful, and I said, okay, that needs to go in one of my collages. So things like that, I would, you know, capture hands, eyes, faces, expressions, lips, and I will add those to uh, my collages. Mm -hmm. um, and then after I get that, after I constructed the face, I will create the body. And you know what I need for this to say, sometimes I can um, be just surfing and see someone sitting strangely in a chair or, um, or standing in a very powerful stance. And I said, you know, that stance should be in one of my collages. And uh, so I do that. So that's how I build my. I don't want to give too much away because I've been, yeah, um, <laughs> I've been having a lot of copycats, and I'm not interested in showing them how. To yeah, do that, <laughs> no, no, no. Fair enough. Um, 
And so I, I read somewhere that about, um, and, and you're kind of saying that about uh, what you're experiencing at grad school, about being able to, you know, infuse your work with the symbols and the things that you want to express. Um, and I talk about this a lot about having your own visual vocabulary, you know, so that there's things you can draw on um, to express yourself without, you know, actually saying this means this and this means this. Um, so do you kind of have, again, not to give it away, but do you have like a running visual vocabulary in your head, like hands mean a certain something or? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. Uh, it's what I want to express in the work. Uh, if it's care, you know, that I want uh, early on in my collages, I used to put hands like just come in and touch the face or touch, you know, um, uh, my my parents wasn't big. I love you people. We knew they loved us, but what they would do is lay their hands on us. They would come by and um, either put their hand on your face or your head mm. or your shoulders. That was um, an act. I think as an adult, I think that was an act of love. And um, so I do that in some of my pieces to, to hold the, um, the, the, the children in, you know, to, to know that they are protected, even mm -hmm. though we know we can't not protect them. Yeah. And why, why is it always children? Well, I thought that uh, one of the things that I saw when I was in graduate school, and especially when you talk about race and identity and, and Black women, is that everyone talks about adult women. And mm -hmm. But what happens when you're a little kid and faced with all these things? And uh, I wanted to couch my argument through the lens of an eight-year-old, eight to 10-year-old, and how they were perceived in the world mm -hmm. and how they have to start so early in fighting these battles. That's why we're at 25 and we're already battle-scarred. We already know what we have to do in order to defend ourselves and others. So, so whether that start, is it the first decision of what dress to wear? or how to you know those first acts of independence and then after that how the world sees you so so that's why i thought it was really great um i think that there are a lot of artists who are drawing um painting uh women as it relates to race and beauty um this was a, a different language this is a different way of talking about it mm -hmm. um something i wanted to do did you feel like that as a kid uh, independent, of course. I think every woman, every every person does. I think mm -hmm. you're eight years old, nine years old. You want to have fingernail polish, or you want to wear a short dress, or you want to have stockings. I remember that. I remember so well wanting to have some stockings on. I don't know what that even meant, uh, but it felt grown up, you know, to have your own stockings. Where and Where are you in the lineup of kids? Are you one of the oldest, youngest? I, I'm number five. I'm kind of in the middle. It's eight, so I'm in the middle kind of, uh, we don't have nine, so we don't have a direct middle, but right. I would say um, uh, four and five are the middle ones. So. Yeah, yeah. Did you, are you, are some of the older ones sisters? Did they have the nail polish yeah. and stockings? Yeah, yeah. We were all step-to-step -step children because my mom had us, uh, she started having babies in August, next year, September, next year, October, next year, November. <laughs> So we all stay, we're a year, we're only a year apart. Wow. And, uh, so, so we all kind of went through all the same things at the same time because we were two years old or yeah, one year yeah. old, you know, so wasn't that much difference. Uh, yeah. I remember being in the second grade, so seven years old and thinking that I'd pretty much made it. I was like pretty much ready for an apartment because um, I wasn't in kindergarten and I wasn't in grade one. I was in grade two. So yeah. let's just get on with the show. And I remember thinking too that, yeah, I would really like to have long fingernails uh, that were painted with polish and that right. would be really great. Right. Yep. <laughs> and here we are <laughs> 40 years later. Yeah. Um, so um, how, how long was the break between um, your undergrad and going back to grad school? It was a lot. It was years. Um, yeah. You know, had a life in between there. Yeah, yeah. I don't think school is important. That kind of, I don't think that had anything to do with my, me being an artist. No. 
Yeah. It was probably um, um, nice to have that concentrated time though, during grad school to sort of have that studio time and just like, yeah, it was years. I mean, yeah. it was years. I mean, I was in grad school when I was a little, I mean, as a, an undergrad as a, like a 19, 18 year old and then I yeah. went to grad school as a 40 something year old. Yeah. So that's a big difference. You know? I think that's what I would, I remember graduating from my undergrad at 21, 22 and um, the teachers all saying, I was like, what do I do now? And they were like, um, grad school. And I was like, I, what? I don't want to go to grad school. And I also knew I'd have nothing to say because I still was at a point where I didn't know what I was trying to say. And I've always said that if I went back to do it, I would want to do it now in my forties because I feel like I've lived some life. I have you right. know, experience. I feel like I have something and I have the confidence that I didn't have at 20, you know? Right, uh, right, right, right. Yeah. So did it feel like that? Was it like a better no, experience I mean, or it wasn't, no? It wasn't anything. I mean, I think when I um, started thinking about going to school, uh, it was it was because the work had changed and literature had, had entered my life and I needed to figure out what was happening yeah. in order to um, move forward. Yeah. Um, I wasn't thinking about going back to school. Yeah, yeah. And so now you certainly have figured it out. Um, it is like, it's so exciting to just follow you on Instagram because there's always something new and exciting. And like, especially it's so, you know, you were saying that you started doing this collage work end of 2011, 2012. Um, it seems like obviously you hit on something for yourself because the work just flourished. And now it seems like opportunities are flourishing. Like there's in that time you've shown so much and magazine covers and like all, you know, all sorts of amazing things have come up. Um, did it feel like that when you started doing that work that you were like, oh, this is it. Like this is me and I'm finally making the work I want to be making. Yeah, I mean, I've always told people I felt uh, as a successful artist, it may have not been monetary uh, when I was doing work and no one knew who I was. But I've always felt that I was making successful artists because I was earnest in my practice. Mm -hmm. um, now, with, with all this attention, it's great. Uh, I'm still growing to work. I'm not, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sitting around thinking, okay, I made it, so I don't. Have, there's no more work to be done. There's right. always work to be done uh, to make the work more better, uh, to make it look more sophisticated, to find new pathways in order to talk about some of the some same issues that other artists are talking about. How can I talk about that differently? Mm -hmm. um, how can I take some or something ordinarily, uh, something ordinary and talk about race and gender so you know different from somebody else, even if it's a loaf of bread, you know, why is, uh, people save the ends to them to the final two slices as black people. You know, all sorts of ways of talking about culture and colorism and things like that so um yeah it's 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 it's, it's it doesn't get easier because people well it shouldn't get easier because people know you it should get harder and more complex you're in the studio more than mm -hmm. ever because you you finally have the attention in order to get the message you've been trying to get across for years yeah yeah, yeah. and then of course as a as um an artist that's always your thing right is to continue to push your work. You don't want to get somewhere and be like, okay, well, I'm done. I, I, I don't think any artist feels like that, right? You're constantly, you'll be creating for the, your entire life and your work will be evolving and your messages will be, you know, showing up in different ways. Um, so there's so much that's, that's happening in the world at the moment. Like we just had the inauguration. There is, right. um, how did you, this whole year of being in quarantine and Black Lives Matter and all of the, this, this huge shift in the world. Are you feeling that? Like, do you feel like things are changing or how, how do you feel during this? Well, I, I didn't think things were changing. I think, um, well, I thought quarantine would make us better, but, uh, uh, it didn't, I think it was more isolation for some people and let some of their anxieties and hate build up even more mm -hmm. uh, as they lost money and time with people who kept them regular 
And um, so, so no, uh, I, I was just listening to Charles Lowe and he said, we're in this honeymoon time of, you know, oats and honey. And, uh, but there's lots of work to be done. Don't, we cannot get caught up in, and the euphoria of, of what happened yesterday. Right. Um, because there's lots of work to be done. And that was just one day. Yeah, yeah. And, and we should celebrate that day, but you know, those people who, who broke into the Capitol, who killed people, um, those people are still there. They're not caught, I mean, they're still in our schoolhouses, in our doctor's offices, in the grocery stores and, and every place um that we visit and these are saying people who smile at us and would not want to um share you know society with us yeah yeah it's just um yeah it's just unbelievable i mean i think uh, i i just feel i've this year has opened my eyes because i just felt so ignorant to the fact that like you know i'm a white lady in canada Mm -hmm. and i just (laughs) You know, I just didn't understand it. And I had Kalita Rawls on the podcast um, in March, April. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were talking about racism and I said something about, you know, teaching my son not to be racist and blah, blah, blah. And that every, and she said, the thing is, she's like, you probably are uh, through no fault of your own. She's like, that's what (laughs) systemic racism is. And I was like, what uh, you know and it yeah. just it changed when she sort of explained it to me um <laughs> you're like that's not me I know like you don't you feel like you want to be like oh no no but then she said like she said think about every tv show or movie she said the black man is always a bad guy an athlete or the joker like why isn't he the teacher why isn't he the head scientist why you know like all these things she's like that is what systemic racism is and so and same with like sexism. You watch movies and it's like the woman is always, you know, she trips and she's cute and you know, like all these different things. Why can't she be the powerful, strong one? And so watching TV and movies has been like, oh boy, I I was just consuming it, not even realizing, you know, and I just feel like a fool. And I I think that a lot of people's eyes have been open to that and and understanding that there is so much work to be done by everybody. Um, And I hope, maybe it's naive, but I just hope that the majority of people are now doing that work. Right, right. I hope, Um, and you know, artwork like yours is so, so powerful. And I think just continues that message. And I love Mm -hmm. that you're getting all of the attention that you're getting um, because then your message is getting that attention. Right, right, right. You know? um, yeah, I always tell people, I don't think that everyone is a racist. I think that everyone is prejudiced. And I think that um, how you allow those prejudices to enter your life is um, very important. Uh, some people always say, I had the best son in the world. Well, not really. You, you're prejudiced, <laughs> you know. <laughs> that son. And I might, you know, challenge you and say, I have the best son in the world. You can't possibly have one. So I'm prejudiced in that idea of, of having the best child. And I think, um, I think sometimes we take those prejudices and we kind of heap them on other people. And like I said, I recently, last week, you know, with all this success and all this money and, um, um, I had recently moved, um, and um, the old people, the old t- people in that house, uh, the new people actually called me over and said, hey, come get, we have some letters and some packages you got for Christmas, blah, blah, blah. Uh, could you come and get them? I said, sure. They said, we're going to put them on the porch. I said, fantastic. Now, I lived in that neighborhood for three years. So I went over to um, the house on, mm, maybe it was Wednesday night last week and um and right when i was picking up the letters and the packages uh someone said why are you stealing off that porch stop stealing and i was uh what i turned around so angry and i i told that person i wasn't stealing and blah 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 and it just this blonde lady who was very beautiful and i felt that if the police called she would start crying and i would be a criminal 
And well, she criminalized me right away. And I think the, the proper uh, dialogue, what should have been is, uh, can I help you? I know the people who live there and you're taking something, uh, are you supposed to take that? But she instantaneously criminalized me and I have 40 some thousand followers. I could have easily like put her on, on, um, on, the, on the internet and just kind of ruined her life. Um, I, I asked her to please call the police because when they look at my ID, it's gonna be that address. When they look at, and I'm gonna show my checkbook, we'll have that address on it. And then, but they will still, she will still be the damsel. Right. And I will still be uh, the big bad wolf, no matter what happened, because they will say, you did the right thing. Uh, you should always call, you know, blah, 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 blah. So she will be celebrated. I will be, Do you, you know why she called, you know, you know why she did this and, and get over it, you know, and whatever trauma that you might have felt, you know, suck it in and go home. And so, so that's why I tell people I do the work that I do because had she saw me as just a human person, um, I think maybe death wouldn't have been the first thing she thought of. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, so I do, I understand people have stolen things off my porch before. Um, but it's this whole idea, no matter how successful you are, if people see skin tone first, I'm sure that person is, that woman is a wonderful person. Um, she never really apologized, I don't think, but her excuse was her friend got something stolen off her porch. Okay, was that person a black person? Uh, was that person a fat person? <laughs> was that person in the same vehicle that I'm in? Uh, were they wearing the same clothes that I'm wearing? So, so, so you have to see people generally as people first, and um, and not criminalize them right away. And so, so I think that's why I I put multiple faces in um, my work. It's not a monolith. It's not a one thing. It is, uh, we are several things. We are a lot of things, um, you know? So I think that is, that is what is resonating with people is that, you know, you have to separate the individual from whatever stereotypes you have of, of whole race of people, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. That is a horrible story. <laughs> I made it home and I'm alive. So it's, oh it's a celebratory God. story. Um, but it was distressing, you know, yeah. um, because it could have ended so differently. Um, but it's, um, you know, it's just the society we live in. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Oh, Deborah. Um, I don't even know, like I'm at a loss that just makes me so angry for you. Um, and as a blonde lady, I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah, I mean, I, I just said she was every damsel. Yeah, blonde hair, blue eyes, and very beautiful. She was very beautiful, and I just figured, you know, I just would control my temper, start talking in regular, you know, not to, you know, you know. And I asked her, you know, please do call the police because I felt if that was an issue, um, I had nothing to hide. You know. Yeah, yeah. Did she um, say she was going to call the police? No, I asked her to because okay. she was like questioning me. She had two dogs off the leash, and oh. uh, she had already entered the yard. Oh my the, god! Yeah, yeah. I like, can't. Oh, that was a week ago. Like that's just awful. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, it happens. Yeah. yeah, I did call the homeowner, and I mean, not the homeowner, the uh, the tenants, and I told them, you know, what had happened, just in case. I said that was another package on the porch. I think it was. For them, it probably been delivered. Um, they had went out and walked the dog, because I told them I'd be there in 30 minutes. But um, the whole idea of it, and the guy said, you know, look, if something has come for, we will bring it to you. And I was like, so now we're at the point that I don't live in a free uh, enough America to go and pick up my mail that's been oh delivered. <laughs> you know, so that I always tell people that we live in two Americas, and people have to understand that. And we saw that with the capital insurrection and we see it every day of our lives. So a lot of times you can see black people saying, mm, 
okay, welcome to the party. This is something we experience our whole life. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's why I think it's so interesting about you, you know, showing your work being children. Right. You know, and, and it's like, it's just a fact of life for you from the time that you're young to learn how to sort of defend yourself and that you can't raise your voice because, oh God, you don't want right, to right, right, upset the right. blonde lady and, you know, all that stuff. And it's just, um, and not to equate it at all, because I know it's different, but, you know, I, when all the Me Too stuff was happening, my husband had said to me, you know, being a white male, he was like, has this stuff ever happened to you? Like date rape and whatever. And I was like, uh, yeah, because wow. you're just born for, you just know when you're a little girl, like your shirt, your skirt can't be too short because then you're yeah. asking for it. And right. you know, you just right. walk home with your keys between your fingers because right. you just do, you know? Right. Right. Um, and that's the only way that I can relate, you know, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, my I, own I, way, but but that's the thing. It's like you don't. I, I never even thought about that stuff because it's just ingrained in you from the time you're little that if you want right. to be safe, this is what you need to do. So exactly. I can't even be imagine being a black woman. Right, right. You yeah. know, you, you've got it double. Like it's just um, mm-hmm. insane. And so I love, love, love that you have children in there. Um, also, you know, I was saying. Um, I was watching, there's a bunch of videos, you know, quarantine, all I do is uh-huh. watch videos. Um, but um, a few commercials of like, um, or sorry, like on TikTok and stuff of black men with their little kids, right? And when you, like what Kalita was saying, it's like, they're always like the bad guy or whatever. But if you see them, they're just dads right. having a tea party, right? you know, pretending know. to be a horse when their little right. girl's on top of them. It's like, right. they're just people. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, yeah. Yeah. And if, if people could like, exactly like you said, just come, come at me like a human being don't have all these preconceived things. And so there's something really special in you showing those children as opposed to, you know, the portrait of the black woman or the portrait of the black man. There's something really like going, we can all relate to what it was like to be kids. Right. Exactly. And I just, I love that you're doing that. Um, I was actually going to read I, I really love this part of your statement. So I'm just going to read it because we're kind of talking about this right now. Um, you say, wading through my work, you must look through multiple layers, double meanings and symbols. My process, process, <laughs> Canadians, we say process combines found and manipulated images with hand-drawn and painted details to create hybrid figures. These figures often take the form of young girls and increasingly black boys whose well-being and futures are equally threatened because of the double standard of boyhood and criminality that is projected on them at such a young age. The boys and girls who populate my work, while subject to societal pressures and projected images, are still unfixed in their identity. Each child has character and agency to find their own way amidst the complicated narratives of American, African American, and art history. I just, uh, that just gives me chills. (laughs) um and you're doing it you're doing exactly all of that through this like gorgeous artwork yeah I mean I'm um that's everything I'm trying to do when I added the boys I added the boys uh well after I had established the girls and um and they came out so innocent and younger and and then as I you know really really uh started talking about real real issue then the work became a little bit stronger and now I see them and they're 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 on their own legs they're standing on their own legs and in the practice and I really love that because now now the work really begins in creating um a better understanding of what black boys go through so early more I mean earlier than than girls I mean they can be five years old and have a temper tantrum and a little white boy can do the same thing. And the black kid is instantly put in either a special ed class or he's having some type of, um, you know, um, he's disobedient, you know, yeah. he's hard to handle. But, um, and, the other, and the other positive thing on the white kid, he's asserting who he is. He's trying to 
you know, move from childhood, uh, I mean, uh, you know, infanthood to childhood, you know, and, and so everything is different. And yeah. that's, that's what I'm trying to say. And so once you get labeled these things, it goes in your record as you move to school and school. And by the time you're in seventh grade, you're out of school. Yeah. Uh, so that's when I, I idea from the schoolhouse to the jailhouse is because, yeah. you know. Well, and if someone keeps telling you you're bad, you're eventually going to exactly. believe it and be like, okay, watch this. Exactly. Yeah. I can be this. I mean, yeah. I can this well. This is easy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. and what, what, do you remember what the catalyst was to do the, start doing the boys? Was it like, cause um, like the shootings are insane. The police shootings of, you know, just boys that weren't doing anything, you know, right. they're just like a 12 year old boy doing nothing. And because he's black, he's been shot by police cause he was a threat. Um, what did, did that play into it or is that right. just well, part of it? I mean, that, of course, all the, um, the, um, you know, the shootings and stuff. But mainly, um, you know, doing my exhibition and talking to people from around the country and saying, hey, Deborah, this is great with the girls, but, you know, our little boys are suffering also. Have you thought about doing boys? And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, I was going to do those two years from now. And then um, I remember I just, every show I did, someone would come up and talk about that. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I really... Um, really, really push my practices in the summer because, you know, nothing is really required of you. The art world slows down um, and you can kind of either vacation or you can push to work. And so um, I decided to start doing some um, boys. And uh, as I did it, it, you know, it was like, okay, I should have been doing this all along. <laughs> so, um, so that's what that came from. And it just... I'm still working. I think um, I, I was really thinking about the show in Austin. I think I have, I may have more male figures in the show than I have female. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, before we talk about that show, which is so exciting, I just wanted to ask you the faces, are the faces, do you photograph people? Or those? No, no, no. These are all combined faces from uh, various. Um, research um oh, okay and uh and so what i do is um i just you know if i see a face i really like i you know i put Baldwin's eye in a lot of stuff um but when i see somebody from either black history pop culture american history or, or the or art world people i tend to add them into work it could be, uh. a hand, it could be anything yeah, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay, so well, let's talk about this show because um, so it opens this weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. And when was it supposed to open? Because I read that it was pushed because uh, of COVID. Yeah, it was all September um, in 2020. Okay. And, um, um, and then we pushed it um, to January, which is fine. I think they had tentatively thought December and uh, because we had had already traveled places and then we said okay January and so we thought we was gonna kind of ruin the traveling of the show and it didn't it just all started kind of you know fell into place so um so yeah it's 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 it's, it's late but it's here it's happening so um so it's at the contemporary Austin what is the title of the show I'm <laughs> I'm special I'm human I'm this I, I love the idea, and I talked about this before, and I did an NPR thing, was the apostrophe allows more to the eye. So you have the dramatic eye, you know, and the apostrophe gives you more. It, it, mm. it opens the pathways to a bigger identity to emerge. So, so the, 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 the truth is in the eye, in, in the apostrophe. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, that's what I wanted to do because all the work in there uh, is expansive in a way to see yourself differently, you know? Mm -hmm. And how many pieces are in the show? We have, uh, I think we have 16 um, new works. Uh, we have some text work in the show and I have an installation, uh, a new installation, which is both video and audio wow oh my god and so is it is the 
Nizum actually open or do you have, is it by appointment or how? It's by appointment. I think they, it's, it's going to open up on Saturday. It's normal hours and my show will be up and another show upstairs. Okay. And um, you sign up and you go in six people at a time, six or eight. And um, you, uh, you enjoy it. You know, it's so exciting. So exciting. And so I'd read somewhere that, um, this was your first major like museum show in your own city. Yeah. Yeah. In the whole state of Texas. And, you know, I always feel, um, I remember when I got back from grad school in 2014 and, um, I couldn't find a job. No one would get a job at the university of Texas. I couldn't do anything. And I ended up working at a library and then I ended up working at a shoe store and um, still doing the same work that everyone loves and is now worth <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. But, um, um, and I just remember thinking, well, I, I created a show at uh, a smaller um, community, um, it's a cultural center in, in Austin. And I remember talking um, to the audience and, I don't know where it came from, but I said, I concede Austin. I want the world. And I think that proclamation maybe freed up whatever that was holding me back and holding Mm -hmm. the energy that needed to be out. Um, And God smiled on me and there you go. At what happened, mm-hmm. and um, I think that sometimes in uh, small towns, people tend to define you, and they put you on a box and say, "Okay, that's that person." That mm-hmm. is no room for anything else for that person to be other than that, and that's not necessarily true. We know that, and I think that happened to me. And once I said, "I." I freed myself of that. In fact, it was so weird because the show was called I Know Why the Cage Bird Sings. And then a lot of things happen. Yeah, I'm, I'm collected in um, major institutions around the world, you know, mm-hmm. and um, which is amazing for me. Yeah, I, I know. I was reading that too. The, um, I mean, the list is gigantic, but like the Whitney, the Brooklyn Museum, when that stuff started happening, I hope you quit your shoe store job. Oh yeah, I had quit that before. <laughs> it was humiliating, not so much because it was a shoe. Because any job done well and is it, not a small job, but they had me tucking my shirt. I couldn't take it with a double stomach. I had to go. I said, I, I, I told them it was humiliating for me to tuck in my shirt, and and I said, can I just you know have it nicely pressed? And no, I had to tuck it in and put a bell on, and I just. It's like a middle-aged lady with a, well, you know, with a shirt tucked. It was uh, just too much. It was too much. And I, I could only do it six months. Uh, you know, I was like, but I could tell you how to tie your shoes. I know which the proper wears you wear to get when you get it older, when you have a knee problems, when you have a back problems. But it's just the ultimate the ultimate hurt was the tuck uh, of my shirt. So. <laughs> well, did you get to go to the Whitney with an untucked shirt when uh, when your work was acquired? Um, um, no, I don't think my work has ever hung there. It was acquired. At, I mean, it was acquired from a gallery I'm no longer at uh, in New York City. But um, so they've never hung it. None, none of the works. It's three works. And um, so, no, um, I know that I have works up in, um, at Crystal Bridges right now. Oh. Uh, the traveling show with the National Portrait Gallery, there's a work up. Um, I think there's a work up at Pam right now in Miami um, and, and other shows that are opening with my work included in group shows. Wow. Wow. It's crazy. Um, It's just, it's so exciting to watch. And I just love that. um, Like, you know, you said God smiled on you, but I I think he smiled on you and you worked your ass off. That too. too. He don't give things to lazy people. No, no, no. Um, And so are you able to go on Saturday for the, for the show? Yeah. I'm going to be doing some VIP tours. Yeah. Start off with, uh, supporters who um, kind of underripped the show 
And uh, then uh, I have a group of uh, good friends um, who are uh, gonna tell me how horrible the show is. <laughs> they gotta be, their, their critique is gonna be just like grad school. Oh um, no. We're gonna, we're gonna do that on Saturday so uh, I can tweak stuff later. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just gonna do some things. Um, I want to be present when certain people come, but you know, um, I had my first vaccination uh, last week, and oh, good. Uh, I'm gonna wait to get the second one before I start really meeting people over there. Yeah, because uh, COVID restrictions are still in place. So, yeah. Um, well, that is so exciting. And I'll put all the information. I always do a great big post that goes with the episode. And uh, I'm so glad that the timing worked out to have you on now. Oh, yeah, so that yeah. it was perfect. So I mean, this is going to go up the, you know, the night before the show opens. So I'll put all the info so people can, um, people in Austin can, can make their appointments. Okay. Um, is there anything else that's coming up that people, I mean, that's a pretty big one, but is there anything else anywhere else that people should know about? Well, I'm going to push the, um, I'm doing a show in Liverpool at the end of the year and I'm hoping to go. Um, it's at uh, Blue Coat and um, I, um, I'm going to have, uh, I think I get the whole space or it's huge. And wow. um, I, I just, I, I, that would be my big trip and I hope to take it. Yeah. Um, and um yeah, I, I also do my my second uh, solo show at Suzanne Belmitter in September. Um, That's an amazing also, gallery. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. are you are you going to be doing more like installation stuff like you've got in Austin? I want to. It depends if people uh, spank me. If they spank <laughs> me pretty bad, I might have to lick my wounds. But I always say that it's just like um, anything. It turns. It's ugly. It's messy. Um, like what they say, um, you have to put pressure on a diamond to make it a diamond. You have yeah, to yeah. And uh, uh, I think that's what this is going to be about. But I have great, you know, aspirations. I'm not going to be a video artist. So please, I already know that. So people don't have to write me and tell me. Um, <laughs> save your emails, people. Save your emails. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I do think that just um, room to to talk about these issues without turning people off or making them feel guilty or um, or or maybe just enlightening them without being in your face uh, and saying you know you and your your grandfather ruined you know my life and um, and how people see me so so those things I think just like with the collage open doors for me to talk about those things yeah. in ways um, like you've never experienced um this confessional um is an individual act you're in a box and oh that's what's happening in austin yeah the oh. confession is beautiful um one side is audio one side is video and you walk into like if you're catholic you walk into a confessional and you know the priest is on the other side and you're right there but there's no priest so you walk in you pull the curtain and instantaneously, you're in a dark box with names of 400, uh, about, I, I chose, it was 400 names, but I don't think it's 400 in the box, but it's a lot. And we didn't count them because it didn't matter. We started off with 400 and we got as many as we could in the whole thing. And um, so you're inside with these felt letters that are, 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 have risen off the, the, the structure just like the Vietnam Memorial where you can, yeah. you know, do a rubbing, but these are on the outside because they're asking to be seen. And um, then you face a big mirror and that's you. And then up above you is these like jail cells bars with the light shining like through and also on your face. And the name at that point are reverse. And the whole idea is called what if, but what if these girls were white? You know, what if? And so it's asking you to um, to imagine would we know what happened to these women? Will this be a national story? Will, you know, this be special breaking news every day to figure out what's going on? Is it sex trafficking? Is it a different type of slavery somewhere else? Are these girls being murdered? Are they, are they, 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 
disappeared but returned home or it was a false alarm. You know, all these things that we know nothing of. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we were so affixed on uh, the person who was in the Oval Office that we we didn't pay attention to this. And yeah. so the, this exhibit, I'm asking you to do a little work. And um, so, um, yeah. yeah, It sounds amazing it. and powerful. And, you know, even what you were saying at the very, very beginning about being a kid who just did whatever, like you just made stuff like it didn't have to be just painting or just drawing or whatever I think that's so exciting and liberating when um you know as artists you kind of get put into a box it's like oh well she's a painter she's a sculptor she's whatever um to be in your 40s and 50s and 60s and go actually I'm gonna go over here and try this installation that just (laughs) doing what trying whatever you want to get your message across is the whole point right right? and um you've got hands that can make so go and make and um i'm so excited for you it sounds amazing i wish i was in austin so that i could go well the show is gonna be up until um mid-august and i'm hoping that uh, a lot of people are vaccinated by then um um you know and 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 we'll be able to share we're gonna have a big closing and so hopefully Yeah, that would be amazing. Um, And then I would also go to all the food trucks. That's my favorite part of Austin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Definitely go to the food truck. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Gordo's one time and had some insane donut and I thought I was going to die after, but it was delicious. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good luck. I've kept you for an hour, so I'm going to let you go. But thank you so much, Deborah. It is an honor to meet you. I... Um, as a collage artist myself, I, I, you know, drool over your work and, and um, I love your message and it was so nice to finally meet you and good love luck on Saturday. Thank you so much and yeah. have a wonderful day and you happy too. new year. Yes, you too. And uh, I'll let you know if I can get myself to Austin in August. <laughs> okay. It'll All, be right. Nice and hot. All right. <laughs> I know. Okay. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh my goodness. I have to say I'm still feeling shaken by Deborah's packages on the porch story from last week. Last week. Not 30 years ago, 40 years ago, last week. While listening to her, I wasn't sure if I was going to cry or be sick. We have to treat people like people. We're all just people with families and bills to pay and mail to pick up. (sighs) Anyway... Again, I am so thrilled to have finally met Deborah. well, over Zoom. Hopefully, I will be able to get myself down to Austin and into that show and that confessional before August. If you're in the area, I've got all of the show info on a big, beautiful, collage-filled post on my site, thejealouscurator.com, right this very minute, so pop over and take a look. Thank you so much to Deborah for taking out time to talk to me during this very, very busy week for her. And of course, as always, thank you so much for inviting me into your ear with yet another episode. There will be more art for your ear next weekend. See you then.